Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com, or visit our Patreon page for over 30 more miscarriage stories, as well as exclusive content. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Thank you for tuning in. I have Katerina with me today who has experienced three miscarriages, one at four weeks, six weeks, and then she also had one at 18 weeks, four days that was a full labor and delivery. She is going to outline and talk about all of this with us today, very graciously and brave. Thank you so much for joining me, Katerina. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So take us to the beginning of your fertility journey, because I see here February 2015 was the first miscarriage. So this is, I mean, talk about journey. This has been a a couple of years for you. Yeah, it was a long time coming, I guess. Um, So the first, well, I guess if I back up to the really beginning, um, you know, my husband and I got married and we're anxious to start a family, but, you know, waited a few months, enjoyed the honeymoon phase and all of that. And, um, pretty quickly after being married though, just, you know, handful of months decided to try to get pregnant. And I, um, I don't know, I guess I didn't expect it to happen so quickly, but I mean, we like first try like first month. Oh, wow. Um, we got pregnant. And so that wasn't kind of unexpected. But I oh, I somehow always expected to miscarry. I don't know why, but I just did. Most people like who experience miscarriage are like blindsided and they um, just don't, you know, they never thought it would happen to them or something like that. Are Whereas, there people in your family who have had miscarriages or friends? So my mom, my mom miscarried, um, I think... It was in between me and my brother, or it might have been right before. It's only me and my brother. I'm younger. Um, And so she did have a miscarriage, but um, I don't know. I just, I guess I just, the statistics are too high, right? Like one one in four. So I guess I just, I'm a little bit cynical and I I just always assumed that I would have a miscarriage. I don't know why. And so, um, so, so I found out it was like a Tuesday. I remember it so clearly in my mind and I'm a aerial artist. And so we was had a trip that weekend to go take some workshops in New York city and got on the train with my friends and went to New York and I was in a workshop, um, dancing and, uh, we were warming up and then it was like a gush. And so I was like, Oh no. And obviously at that point, um, it wasn't like spotting or, <laughs> something very mild that you might be able to um, think, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is normal. Maybe this is, you know, what they call implantation bleeding. This is not that. This was, I knew right away. Um, And you didn't know you were pregnant yet? I did. I had just, it was, that was the Tuesday I had found out. And then then that weekend. was like Saturday. It was uh, Saturday. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, I, I hadn't even known I was pregnant a a week. Um, Okay. So it was, you know, right away and that happens. I come home from New York. So, you know, I'm away for the weekend with friends supposed to be doing workshops. Obviously, I didn't continue um, with those um, and, and got home and kind of regrouped, went to the doctor, made sure everything was fine. And then, um, you know, the typical wait two cycles, try again kind of thing. So that's what we did. (laughs) And, um, on the first try we were pregnant again. And so, you know, reluctant, reluctant to be excited, obviously given, um, 
what had just happened what had just yeah had just happened yeah and so um I um I think it was I mean a couple of weeks because we were I was about six weeks pregnant so we had known we were pregnant for a little while longer than the last time right so enough enough time had passed from the positive pregnancy test that I was like okay Maybe this one's, you know, that I, I was feeling a little bit more confident, but obviously it was still very early. And so, you know, we um, ha- had a few, you know, activities with friends or whatever, where I sort of had to tell people, so you get the excitement up a little bit, I guess. But um, I was still a little bit cynical. Never did I think, though, that I would miscarry two in a row. Like, I don't even know what the statistic is. You probably do, but I don't. To miscarry two pregnancies in a row, right, is is not quite as common as the one in four. And so, sure enough, it it started with with spotting and it continued for a couple of days. And then, you know, we went to the doctor and everything looked fine. And so they're like, just go home and we'll see how this goes. Was there a heartbeat? It was probably still too early. It was still too early. Yeah. Yeah. So they could not, they did, um, transvaginal ultrasound and, you know, they could, um, it was too early to detect. They could see right. A little. Yep. Sack, whatever, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't actually, um, see a heartbeat at that point yet. So, but the bleeding continues. Oh, they measured it, right? They measured it. It was five, like five weeks, one day, according to the little measurement or something. I don't remember exactly, but I know that whatever they measured, it was a week behind what I, where I thought I was in my pregnancy. Like if I, if at that point I was six weeks and four days, what they measured was like five weeks and four days. So in my, you know, my mind is churning at this point and I'm like, okay, so this is probably not, that's probably not a very good thing, you know? And even though I know those early dating ultrasounds can be not the most accurate, but at still any not rate, what you want to hear. Right. right. <laughs> so they're like, let's, so go home and in a couple of days, come back and we'll do another ultrasound and we'll remeasure and see if there's any change. Oh, the longest freaking days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we go, so, okay. So the two days go by, we go back. And so they measure and it's the same, no change. So they're like, okay. So, and the bleeding has become a little bit more intense, but it's not like what happened the first time, which was, a sh- you know, there's no doubt what's happening the first time. With this time, it just seemed, there was like a, just a little glimmer of hope the whole time, right? So, so nothing has changed. And then they thought that the sack looked a little deformed at this point which didn't look that way at the first picture that they took. So they prescribed Cytotec and uh, we're like, it's, you're miscarrying. This is going to speed up the process. Yeah. So do that. Great. What was that like? The worst? I don't, I mean, okay, not the worst. Obviously there are way worse things that could happen, but that medicine is just. It's no joke. It's no joke. I and mean, they do I, not fully disclose. No. And any t- anybody that I know, I have become like this miscarriage spokesperson uh, in my circle of friends. Unfortunately, oh, this has become me. And so, but I, I don't mind, uh, you know, whatever I can share, I can share. I just feel like I've experienced so many different pregnancies and scenarios. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Do you go medicines- home. They give oh, that to so, you. Okay, they you give it to me. Home. I go home. I'm going through this thing. And then, um, oh, they wanted me to follow up a week later. So we go back in a week later. Wait, so did you take the cytotech? I did. Okay, and what was that like for you? Cramping, um, huge clots. I mean, just um, And, and how awful. long did it take? A couple of days. Oh, Um, and so here's the thing. So we go back a week later, still there. Oh gosh. So then they're like, oh my God, what if this is a viable pregnancy? (laughs) And then I'm like, are you, you, I basically terminated it. What do you mean? What if this is a viable pregnancy? This can't possibly be a viable. You already, you just, you already told me it wasn't a viable pregnancy. So I took the cytotech. Like this doesn't make any sense. 
And so talk about like the roller coaster because you're like, it's not a viable pregnancy. Oh, but what if it is? Oh, but maybe it's not. And we see all sorts of crazy things and you never know. And, you know, it's just so uncertain. And I don't fault doctors at all. It's just because it's so uncertain, even for them. And you're talking about something that's the size, you know, of a poppy Poppy seed. seed. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So it's not like... um, you know, there's only so much research and there's only, there's only facts, right? That's all they can. It's, and, um, the way my doctor at the time who I actually really love, she's no longer my doctor, but she's a wonderful woman. And she was like, it's just bad math is the way that she always explained miscarriages to me. And she's like, that's the only way that I can explain it. And it makes sense to me. and, And I always think about it that way when I think about early miscarriages, but anyway, so then they give me another round of cytotech because I refused the DNC. Okay. And so I was like, I'd rather, I'd rather go through this again in the comfort of my own home than yeah. have the DNC plus all the horror stories I heard and read about DNCs and the potential side effects or um, just um, – you scarring know, scarring and, yeah. and the things that could happen. Scary. So mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm just going to do this. And so we did We did another round of cytotech. This time I didn't start bleeding for like two days, nothing. And then all of a sudden there were, I was at work and there was some cramping and I went to the bathroom and it, whatever needed to pass had passed at that, at that point. So, um, so we put this, we put this behind us. This was Mother's Day. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, the yeah. number of women I've talked to who miscarry on Mother's Day is just uncanny. Yeah, it's uh, you know I'm a fairly uh, religious person, and it's just uh, he he certainly has a sense of humor. So, <laughs> <laughs> so so we get a dog. <laughs> there you go. Okay. And so who is, you know, curled up sitting next to me and has been my shadow since. And I think he knew uh, right away who, what purpose he served in my life. And so, so again, they say, wait two cycles, try again. Um, and so we didn't at the, that time because I'm just emotionally, psychologically, I was like, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I want to have a baby, you know, kind of, I'm sure there are so many women who, who have been in in my shoes. And so it just took some kind of soul searching. And this was May by the, the whole ordeal of like passing everything uh, took us into, you know, into early June. And so it was probably around November of 2016 now that we were like, okay, maybe we should start trying again and so no I'm sorry November 2015 still it's still 2015 okay so um, like so five months hasn't later even been, yeah it hasn't even been a year right okay. and I've had I had the first miscarriage in February the second miscarriage in May by November we're like okay maybe we should start trying but then I was like what if something's wrong maybe we should do some testing and so I went to the doctor and asked if we could do some labs and, you know, anything that we could do without, she's not a fertility specialist. Um, she's just a, you know, OBGYN. I'm like anything that she could do, you know, within the limitations of her, her specialty, um, to see if there's anything wrong. Right. And I was just searching, you know, there, like you have MTHF, whatever that genetic mutation is mthfr that yes just think motherfucker (laughs) that's exactly (laughs) what i think (laughs) that's what i tell my patients i'm like i know i'm not trying to swear in front of you but this is really helpful okay anyway it's the motherfucker gene that one i have Mm -hmm. that one and so anything that could potentially point to a reason um i was just searching and then the doctor was like well you're not overweight and you don't have facial hair but you do have acne maybe you have pcos and i was like oh nobody's ever told me i had pcos before she's like i think maybe you do <laughs> like and yeah. i feel like at the time she was just trying to she knew she wanted I to get you an answer she wanted to give me an yeah. answer yeah. yeah and so and you know what 
God bless her, but it wasn't the right answer. But so she, <laughs> so she thinks maybe I have PCOS symptoms. So she puts me on metformin and I'm like, okay, well, at least this is something I could do. And in, in fact, it did help regulate my periods, which made me feel like maybe I was going down the right path. And so, um, where we try and try and try. So about three or four months, maybe longer. We might have been trying for more like, yeah, no, I, I think it was like four, four months or so. I, it was like April at this point that I called her and was like, it's not working. The last two, I had gotten pregnant so quickly and so easily, like without even trying, no tracking, no ovulation kits. I just got pregnant twice, like no problem on my own. And why all of a sudden, in retrospect, I'm like five months really is not a long time to be trying, but at the time, it feels like an eternity. eternity. Exactly. And so she was like, well, if the metformin hasn't helped, she's like, maybe we should try Clomid. And so I knew about the drug. I didn't think I needed it because I had gotten pregnant so easily on my own, but I was like, whatever, whatever it takes. Right. So, um, we did Clomid in, uh, May and it did not work. That cycle did not work. But then in June it did. And so I was pregnant and this time, of course, they're like, come in for an early ultrasound. (laughs) And so, um, oh, not early ultrasound. I, they start doing blood you know, HCG levels and right, progesterone levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of that. Right. Especially because through, through the second miscarriage, oh, that's what I didn't, that's what threw them for a loop with the first and second rounds of cytotech was that the HCG levels actually increased. So after the first round of cytotech, the, the HCG levels should not have increased. And so because they did, they were like, this is weird. Hmm. And so that's, so anyways, I'm like a, you know, a medical wonder, but coming back to third pregnancy. So pregnant, the, the levels are great. They're doubling, they're tripling progesterone is through the roof. So we go to the doctor and I think it's six weeks. It's a very, very early ultrasound. And so, um, we get there and they're like, okay, you know, just so you know, we, you know, we might not see anything. It might be too early, yada, yada, yada. Lo and behold, twins. <laughs> and so. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And so being a religious person, I'm like, oh, God is giving me what he took away from yes. me. And mm-hmm. I'm, I have two babies now. And I actually remember my husband sent me a text like later that day and he goes about every 30 minutes or so I remember we're having twins and I have a panic attack <laughs> and I think I screenshotted the text and I it's probably saved somewhere in my phone just because it was it was there was so much joy but then so much panic because you're like twins holy shit that's mm-hmm. not what we had bargained for um so yeah so twins so um, everything is great. Numbers look great. I-, I asked if I could get on progesterone supplements because of my history. They're like, no, your progesterone levels are fine. Why would you need supplements? I'm like, okay. Now I do have, I did have a leap procedure back in, you know, 2008. I was, you know, 22 or something at the time. I don't actually, I can't do the math this quickly. It's too late on the East coast, but whatever age I was, I had a leap procedure done. So in the back of my mind, there is this concern that my cervix is too weak for any pregnancy, let alone for a pregnancy with twins. Can you share what that procedure is? Yeah. So, so I was, um, had an irregular pap smear and, was tested positive for HPV. So they, um, it's like an electric, I, I don't remember what LEAP exactly stands for, but one of the E's is for something electric of some sort. So they, they use a tool to um, sort of burn off the abnormal cells in your cervix to prevent them from 
I guess, multiplying, potentially becoming cervical cancer, something yep. of that nature. So um, it can, doesn't always, but it can weaken the cervix in, in the process. So I knew that going into it. And um, I, so I've always told my doctors, you know, well, well, I had this and we should be concerned or whatever. I also have an aunt who just has a weak cervix and has lost a couple um, of babies this way. And so I don't know. It's just one of those things that's like been in my, the forefront of my mind. So I'm very concerned about this. And they're like, you're fine. It's measuring great. Don't worry. Okay. So we're going along with the pregnancy. Everything is great with the 12 week testing. Everything is great. I feel great. Starts to feel so real. Then. So real. Mm-hmm. I mean, so real. The heartbeats and the everything. And so we go for. I should also say that I did have bleeding in this pregnancy. Oh, you did? The normal kind, like implantation bleeding, just normal spotting throughout probably the entire first trimester. Um, And, but it, you know, I ever, and every single time I went to the doctor and every single time nothing was wrong. Um, And so... Anyway, by like 12 or 13 weeks, it, it, that, I, there was no more spotting. Everything was great. was feeling great, looking great, whatever. And then we went to the doctor at 17 weeks. And I didn't see my normal doctor. She was out of town. And so I saw this other doctor. And... She was doing the internal ultrasound and she was like, huh, I can't really get an accurate measurement of your cervix. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, I'm going to just do it from outside. But me being the crazy person, like everybody else in this world had like, has have Googled ultrasounds and weak cervixes and all of these things. And I'm like, you can't get an accurate measurement. Uh, externally, I know this because I'm, I pretend that I'm a doctor and I have Googled it and I know that this is <laughs> right. So I'm already panicking because I'm like, this woman is not getting an accurate measurement, but she does the ultrasound externally. She's like, Oh, 4.3. It's great. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. So two days later, well, actually the next day, so that was a Tuesday. So like Wednesday, I was feeling weird. I just had like an increase in just, I don't know. It was, something was wrong, right? Like something was just off. I don't know exactly what it was. So when um, you had just been in there, there were heartbeats. Everything's great. It, both they, babies they looked put good. The, put the genders in an envelope. Okay. We came home. One was baby A, one was baby B. We recorded ourselves. Um, opening the envelope, sent it to all of our family. I mean, at this point, right, 17 weeks pregnant, I am in the clear. Oh, yeah. Because I'm, I am well into the second trimester. And so, but the next day, I'm like, something just felt weird. I just, um, I don't know. It was just mother's intuition. Who knows? And so, but I didn't like that doctor because she couldn't figure out how to do an internal ultrasound. So, I called a different doctor. My, the way that my medical insurance at the time worked, it was like a, I can't remember. I never remember the acronyms. I think it's a PPO where you have to only see, it's like a huge, like a A network and you network with Right. So it's Mm -hmm. called on these, it's called Kaiser. It's the only in a few places. But so I was like, I'm going to go to another location and there's an office by my, my business office that I work at. And so it's like, I'm going to just go see a doctor over there and tell her that I'm feeling weird and I want another ultrasound. And so I get there and she's like, I'm not going to do an ultrasound unnecessarily. You're pregnant with twins. We don't want to irritate your cervix. We, we just, we don't want to do anything like that if that is a concern. And I'm like, okay, but it was weird because the doctor said she couldn't get an accurate measurement. And so then this doctor looked at me like I had four heads. She's like, what do you mean she couldn't get an accurate measurement? I don't know. That's what she said. So she's like, okay, then we're going to do an ultrasound. And so she does the ultrasound. Sure enough, my cervix is funneling. So that means it's dilating inside out. Not a good thing. Um, The closed amount 
um, is like 1.2. So we, we went from like 4.3 to 1.2 in 48 hours. Oh my gosh. So my world shatters all the way around me. And so she's like, I need you to go to this facility right now um, where the maternal fetal medicine doctors are in this network. Um, and you're going to talk to them and they're going to get you in for a rescue cerclage. And so cerclage obviously is when you, so your cervix shot something that they previously told me they would not do, um, regardless of my history of the leap procedure, because it's not recommended to do this with twins. And so, but now so late in the game, they're like, well, we don't have, it's a Hail Mary. Mary. We don't, there's no other option. We're either going to try to do this, see if it works, or you're going to lose the babies. There's no, there's, there was, at that point, the likelihood of saving the pregnancy was so slim. But I, I kept my faith and, you know, I just tried to stay as positive as possible. So the next day, um, we go in for the cerclage and it's like, you know, six o'clock in the morning or whatever. And we go in and they do the spinal tap and they like tilt me. I'm awake because I'm numb from the waist down, but awake because of how far along I was sort of in the pregnancy. Um, but somewhere throughout the process, I'm, my, my anxiety, my blood pressure must've skyrocketed or something. Cause they did end up um, putting me to sleep, but they had tilted me like fully on my head. Like I was strapped to a table and I'm completely inverted, um, in an effort to to be awake during that. Yeah. And so the, right. Which is probably around the time that they were like, okay, let's put this girl to sleep. This is fucking crazy. Yeah. And so they, so this, the reason that they had to do that was because, so baby A was a boy and baby B was a girl. And so, um, because the, his sack, he had, you know, I was like about to go into labor, right? My cervix was dilating. Right. So his sack was pushing so far down that they needed gravity to try to get him mm-hmm. back inside me a little bit further so that they could actually stitch up my cervix in the end there was no room for them to do the cercage without the potential of rupturing his sac and so um when i came out of anesthesia that's what i heard and so they wheeled me back to the recovery room where my husband um met me and i think so at this point, still pregnant, right? Two heartbeats, still pregnant. But that is, I think, the moment, like when I reflect on the whole journey, it is the moment that I saw him in the recovery room. After that, that is the moment that brings me to tears every time. And I yeah. think it's because it was like we knew, but it hadn't yeah. happened yet, but we knew. And I remember how loudly I wailed and so um you know in in those kind of like medical offices where you're not really in a hospital you're just in like a surgery center the recovery area is just divided by curtains curtains. usually Mm -hmm. yeah so they put us in a private room (laughs) (laughs) so there was a little it was a little too emotional but um my husband is a hockey coach and so I was pretty much losing my shit at that point. And I was like, Mike, they're going to make me deliver these babies. And he's like, no, he's like, it's not, the game's not over. It's late in the third period, but the game is not over yet. I was like, okay. So, so we go home and, um, we're from Detroit. So my, um, parents got in the car, you know, and came here to, to be with us. Um, and so we wait, that was, um, that was all we could do. So basically we're waiting for me to go into, into labor at that point. 
I don't usually cry anymore when I talk about this. It's oh, crazy. It's okay. So, so this is a Friday. <laughs> I like, I can't remember. I can't believe how vivid your memory is when you go through such a traumatic experience. Um, so, so it's so, Friday. So it's Friday. Okay. My parents come down and um and I'm just on bed rest. I'm ordered to be on bed rest until kind of the inevitable happens at that point. And because my because my cervix is open, um, you know, I'm bleeding not a lot, but just kind of normal. Um just kind of normal stuff. Well, it would stuff. be bloody show if you were if I was further along. Thirty nine right? weeks, yeah. Right. So um so I'm on bed rest at this point, um, and we are as positive as can be. So we buy a lap desk because I'm going to work from home, and we buy a little inverted Brookstone pillow so that I can be comfortable in the bed in whatever position, and we come up with a plan of how we're going to – my husband's going to bring up my breakfast and my lunch before he goes to work, and then – I mean, we had – the we were this – this was going to be fine. We were going to make it. And so the next day, <laughs> um, I uh, went to the bathroom and I, I had to, um, you know, I, I was in bed and I had the urge to, to have a bowel movement. And I kind of knew when I were went you to the cramping bathroom. or anything. No. Mm-mm. Oh, interesting. Nope. Yeah, no, like, what could have been contractions or anything like that. I just, um, I had to go to the bathroom. And so I kind of was like, oh, gosh, this is not, you know, like, you don't want, nobody wants yeah. to bear down when they know that the sack of their baby is, you know. So, so I went to the bathroom and my water broke. Um, and there was almost a sense of relief. Um just because I was like, okay, let's get this. If this is going to happen, like, let's just sure be done with this, you know? So I uh, call my husband. He comes home. Uh, my parents are in town still. Obviously, it's the next day. And so he takes me to the hospital. They do an ultrasound. Two heartbeats. So... um Two heartbeats, but there's no contractions happening. There is no sign of active labor whatsoever. So they're like, well, we don't have to induce. I mean, we could just wait. Like, okay. So. Did they give you an antibiotic since your water had already broke? They did not give me an antibiotic. And I still wonder why. Um, the explanation at the time was it could be detrimental. There was a, there was a rationale that it could be detrimental to something. I don't exact, I, whatever. So I try not to blame anybody for anything. And so I don't know. I don't know why, but there wasn't, there was an explanation that was given at the time. So, Okay. So you stay at the hospital then? So I stay at the hospital. Okay. And the next day. Were they giving you anything to try to no, it keep was the too, You were just straight waiting. It was waiting. too early yeah. for them to be, give me anything to try to slow anything down. And there was no signs of labor. Just right. the fact that my water had broke. Okay. One water had broke, I should say. Because they were fraternal twins and two separate sacks. So... Um, so, so we wait, we wait, they were waiting for my temperature to rise for the sign of an infection to start. They were waiting for contractions to happen. They, they were waiting for something and nothing happened. So the next day they do an ultrasound, both babies, heartbeats, dancing around like little gummy bears up on, I mean, more than gummy bears at that point, but they were just hopping around in their little twins and so I think I was there for two days maybe and then they were like well 
you, there's nothing you can do here. I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> They're like, no, you have to go home. Like, there's nothing we can do for you here. You're not in labor. If you don't want to induce, like, how, how am I supposed to induce labor on two babies that are alive? Yeah. And, yeah. and there was this chance, right, that there it's rare, right, that, but there is a, the possibility that you could deliver one baby. This oh, is yeah. very rare. And the other one could be fine. Sure. Um, there was also the possibility that that was pretty much, oh, oh, the other weird thing was even though my water had broke, there was still fluid around baby Oh, uh, so it didn't fully. Right. Okay. And so, and okay. he was still like bopping around in there. And so... And so I, they just kept pumping me with water because... If it seals back up, yeah, it'll right. refill. So you, mm-hmm. you never know, right? I mean, so there was all of this hope because I wasn't actually in active labor. And so, okay. So I remember leaving that hospital and I told the doctor that I would see her in five weeks because that's all I needed. I needed to get to 24 weeks. And... um. So that I could be admitted and they could start magnesium and all of the other things that they could do at that point because I was at a point of supposed viability. And even at that point, obviously, the chances and risks and everything, um, you know, are so high. But anyway, I get home and the next day I wake up. I got my lap desk, my bed rest pillow. I'm work. I turn my computer on. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this for five weeks and I'm going to have these babies. Like I was bound and determined, but you know, 24 hours goes by (laughs) every time I'm bound and determined, like the next day something crazy happens. And so I started vomiting and it was lime green and took my temperature and it was, you know, it was like 103 or something oh, like that. No. So they rushed me to the high- The highest my temperature spiked was like 108 point something. So, I mean, it was oh. – the infection that was brewing was, you know, I, I could have died. I could Holy have, shit. Yeah. I mean, I could have died. The babies could die. There was nothing at that point. So we get to the hospital. And at that point, they're like, there is nothing. I was like, can you give me an antibiotic? Is there anything? Because at this point, there is still no active signs of labor. And both babies still have a heartbeat. And so I'm like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And so I didn't have a choice. So... They give me the magical cytotech again. And, uh, oh, it's, uh. Did they give it to you in an IV or did you have to take it orally? Uh, they, uh, inserted it. Okay. And so, you know, you sign like a death waiver. Yeah. So, um. So that, so that kind of, you know, we waited at that point, obviously, for everything. What was that of... moment like, though? So they inserted that for you. Yeah. And that oh. moment must have just. Oh, God. Been, the, like, the whole... beyond horrible. Yeah. I mean, the whole time, I just, I felt like I was killing my babies. Because they had heartbeats. Yeah. And, but I, I could have died. Like, at the end Very of the quickly. Day, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I could have died. Or lost yeah. my uterus or something. Yeah. You know, and uh, I just... Uh, I remember my husband was like, I can't, you know, I can't do life without you. And that's... Yeah. At that point, you know, that's... We, we're all each other had. So, um, you know, it was, it was the right decision. There was no other, there was no other decision to be made. Um, so shitty. Yeah, really shitty. Um, they offered me an epidural and I said, no, um, I just was like, well, 
they're so small, you know, like I can do this labor, you know, and I kind of call me a masochist. I don't know. I just kind of felt like I needed to, I want, I was so numb, I think from just the whole week, you know, that I was like, I had to feel something. Uh, Yeah, I understand. I did the same. I wasn't near as far along, but I did the same thing at, um, for each of mine, actually all four. Cause I just felt like that was a, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, no, I'm going to do this. And yeah. so. Like finish um, the process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so obviously baby A, our son was, um, was born first and, um, it was, you know, it was sort of fine, I guess. Um, and then, uh, we, you know, we're waiting for... You have, you were having contractions? Yeah. Yeah. Over over time, the cytotech started to work, and so okay. I was having contractions. I think it took, like, four hours or so, I, if memory serves. It might not have been that long because, you know, it's... Some, I didn't have to, like, fully dilate or anything like that, and um, they were so small that it was wasn't... It wasn't, you know, like pushing out a full-term paper or anything like that. And then, um, but meanwhile, right, we're in a maternity ward. And so other people are having babies all around us and doctors, excuse me, are being pulled all over the place. And so I remember that we delivered our son and um, then we were like waiting, you know, for our daughter to be born. And um, I looked at my husband, I was like, Oh, I think, I think this baby is coming. And he was like, well, the doctor's not here. I'm like, no, I can't, like, I can't hold it. Like, <laughs> right. Your body's just going to push this. I, this something is. And so I remember like kind of bracing through the contraction and I felt something. I wasn't exactly sure what I felt. I wasn't looking anywhere. Um, and I was like, oh my God something something has you know came out and he was like what is it do you think it's just like a blood clot or what do you think it is I was like I don't know but there is there is definitely something there and I was just kind of like in this panic there were no nurses in the room with you no just the two of you yes oh my gosh he runs out and he gets somebody and I delivered her in her sack oh so she came out fully the whole thing intact um, and she had a heartbeat. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, they, I remember, um, uh, the nurse asked my husband if he wanted to feel it, because if you put like, uh, like a index finger on her chest, you could, you could feel, um, her heart beating. And so he got to do that. Um, they were, uh, eight inches and weighed eight ounces each. They were, you know, could fit in the palm of your hand. They were so little, um, but they were perfect. Uh, and so she lit, she lived for about an hour. Uh, obviously she couldn't breathe. Uh, she didn't have any lungs, but, uh, but she had a heart, she had a heartbeat and, uh, and what that means is that you get the joy of actually filling out birth certificate and a death certificate on the same day. And that is, you know, they don't make any of this shit easy. They make you do all of this. It's like, oh, the worst. <laughs> but, but yeah, so. Uh, wow, so yeah, that that's happened. not really something you think through. No, you don't. You don't like. And. So they were born, and we held them and loved on them uh, for about an hour, for as long as she, her heart was beating, and we held them. And, um, and then uh, what happened was I, I didn't deliver the placentas. Oh. There was two, and they were stuck in there because my body 
still that wasn't thinking that it was in labor. And so after all of my, despite my efforts of avoiding DNCs through everything else, <laughs> they were like, you don't have a choice. So. Oh gosh. <laughs> then, I had, then I had to do that. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so they took me down uh, to the operating room to do that. And uh, I had to be awake. So I can't remember why if it was something because of the um the leap or not the leap the rescue circlage and it's I don't know something happening so close I don't exactly you know yeah, if that's I can interesting remember. I don't know why you'd need to be awake I'm not sure so uh, they gave me the spinal but they didn't want to put me out completely. So, um, you know, I was talking to everybody at that point, you've kind of cried all your tears and obviously I haven't actually, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so, um, so yeah, so that happened and then, uh, went back and it was just a surreal moment, just being in the hospital room with the babies, my husband and um, they wheeled them away eventually. Um, but you know, it's, it's so funny because these nurses, they're really trained well, you know, in these moments because when, when we delivered them, they're like, do you want us to hold, do you want to hold them? I'm like, no. They're like, yes, you do. You're going to want to hold your babies. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I know I'm not going to want to hold my babies. They're like, yes, you are. And so, and I'm so glad, right. That they're so trained in this because, you're happy you did. I did want to hold my babies, right? And they're like, oh, can we take some pictures of the babies? I'm like, no, 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 no photos. Please, no photos. And they're like, no, we really recommend that we take some photos. You're really going to want, you're going to really want some photos. And I'm like, no, I'm really not. <laughs> but I, yeah, I do. I'm glad. I look at them. I have, you know, they, they give you a little box when you leave the hospital um, for the people that, you know, don't get to leave with a baby. They leave with a box. And, um, and I look at them often, you know, I have a moment when I'm maybe dusting and I come across the box and I'm like, oh, you know what, I'm going to look through this. And so I have kind of all of their ultrasound photos throughout the pregnancy and some cards we received um, afterwards in, in the same box and their photos are there. But the one thing we had to fill out birth certificates and all that. And so we were like, well, what should we put for their names? And my husband and I were like, well, we're not going to name them. And it was because we like, didn't want to use the names or something stupid like that. And there was also this thought that like, if you name it, it's real. Right. And so I don't know. I don't know. In my cloud of grief, I let, I just was like, okay, that's, you know, my husband's like, I don't think we should name them. I'm like, okay. And I, you're not and in a they, position to make decisions. No, yeah. and you know, it's so interesting because they, I didn't want to hold them and they made me hold them and I didn't want to take their picture and they told me I really would and they were right. But when I said I didn't want to name them, they didn't push on that. And I, if there was one thing I wish that they had done was pushed us to do that because to this day we refer to them as the twins or baby boy and baby girl because that's what we ended up putting on their um, on all the documents was just baby boy and baby girl. And uh, I wish so bad that we had given them names because they were, and they are so real. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, they are so much a part of my life on a daily basis. And, and I know it's only been a couple of years, but um, they were born October 4th, uh, 2016. And I, 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 I just, I, I mean, not necessarily every day as much, but close to, I mean, they are just with me all of the time. And uh, I just wish, I wish they would have pushed us to name them, I guess. But, um, but yeah, it was ugh, quite the experience. That's, that's for sure. So, 
So tell us so about you, what life has been like since then. So, uh, so that was uh, October 4th and then, uh, 2016, you know, 2016. Okay. So you go through the whole same thing. I mean, just like having a regular, uh, full-term baby. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, you gotta, the whole, the whole thing, the whole, you know, wait for your body to recover, wait for your first period. I mean, all of it is, is very similar. All the soreness, pain, I mean, my, I had obviously at that seven, uh, 18 weeks, four days with twins is, you know, I was, I had a, not a huge belly, but it, it was a, you know, I was obviously showing it was, uh, had to put my body back together again a little bit. I mentioned I'm an aerialist. And so being able to get back to the studio, um, you know, took some time and I had, done nothing physically the whole pregnancy because I was so scared to basically move after my first two miscarriages. And so, um, all of that was just really hard. And so I, um, was really focused on just being the best version of myself and was committed to having the healthiest, to being like the healthiest version of myself so that I could have the healthiest pregnancy possible next. And so I got books and put myself on an alkaline diet and like did all of the things that I thought I should do. I started going to see an acupuncturist. I got really expensive, amazing prenatal vitamins that had all sorts of additional supplements that don't normally put in prenatal vitamins that had signs of improving egg quality and this and that and the other. I mean, like anything I could have done, I was going to do. Also switched insurances so that I could go see specialists. Started seeing a fertility specialist, even though I was had no for there was no really fertility problem. I mean, I yes, I took the Clomid, but uh, but really, you know, I had gotten pregnant so so easily on my own. Um, but I I just wanted whatever help I could get, so I start going. So now it's January, so babies were born. October, January, very beginning of the year, new insurance. I start seeing the fertility specialist. She's like, okay, let's do a monitored cycle. I'm like, okay. So she, I'm sure your listeners know what that means. But so, you know, every step throughout the, my, my cycle, she's checking certain hormone levels, checking follicles, checking all sorts of different things. There's ultrasounds and blood work throughout the whole cycle. And there's like some additional testing, like, dye tests to see to make sure your tubes are clear and all of the things the shape of your uterus looks fine you know all these tests everything is going great throughout the monitored cycle and then there's a test they do like after you supposedly ovulate they do a test to like check the length of your luteal phase so we do where they like scrape up there and so they do that test, and then we have to wait for the results. Um, and then, and then in theory, you should be getting your period like the next week or something like that. But I don't get my period <laughs> because I'm pregnant. And so three months, three, yeah, three, November, December, January. So, so January was the monitored cycle, and then in February, I was, I found out I was pregnant. And so no drugs, no fertility help, other than the fact that I had the support of a really great doctor. Um, it was totally done, you know, no medical intervention or anything like that. And so I got pregnant and it was, for the most part, a very uneventful pregnancy with the exception of the fact that we did a lot of preventative things. So preventative progesterone supplements at the beginning, a preventative surclage at 11 weeks. Um, and then I even did, uh, what the heck are those called? P17 maybe? They're inge- progesterone, synthetic and progesterone injections. So weekly shots in my hip um, to help. Um, and then on October 24th, 2017. So one year and 20 days later, 
Lucas was born. So. Uneventful he, pregnancy. Un, yeah. Totally. Other than. Other than all anxiety. the anxiety. And anxiety. <laughs> and like the surrealness of it being at exactly the same time. So like, yeah. even though I was further along with Lucas at the time of everything going, but like, like when, when I first went to the doctor and they saw that my cervix had started to funnel like that weekend that time frame was in September and that time frame was when my husband is usually at a hockey tournament with the kids that he coaches and so fast forward to the following year now okay I'm seven months or I'm nine months pregnant but or eight months pregnant I guess yeah eight months pregnant um and he's away again you know and so even though I I made a totally safe period of time it's like going through those motions yeah during the same time of year like it's like oh this time last year I was in a surgical center or this time last year I was which would probably happen anyway but yeah but to be pregnant pregnant and so far along like trippy yeah, really weird. Like the whole thing was just bizarre. And I was obviously so excited, but at the same time still mourning these babies that were very much a part of my life. And so it was just the it was just really strange. But um but yeah, he was uh born nine pounds, healthy as can be, and uh beautiful. The, yeah, I mean the first words out of my mouth were you have a brother and sister in heaven who love you very much. So, I mean, they really, they really are just with us all the time. And, uh, but yeah, no, he's great. He's 17 months tomorrow and running around. Yeah. It's so it's, it's awesome, but it's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. The rainbow, the rainbow. Yeah. He is the ultimate rain. I mean, there are rainbows. His whole nursery is rainbow themed. Oh my Everything, gosh. Oh yeah. I mean obnoxious. It's I mean I think it's very well it's very <laughs> oh, why tasteful. the hell not? <laughs> I mean at this point. Yep. Any article of clothing, a Target like is really great about having rainbow things for both genders. And so he wears a lot of rainbows. So um that's I love okay. it. yeah, it's I awesome. It. So for um, everyone listening, she has two great blog posts that will be linked. Um They'll be in the description. So if you're looking for those, um, make sure you check it out so I don't forget to say that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't mention it before. Um, they're really, really wonderful and well-written at two very different points. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else you want to share with us? Uh, Thank you gosh. so much. No, I think I've rambled on for so long, but I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. And I just, I hope that, you know, I could hopefully help somebody out there. Um, I know a few women throughout my journey that have experienced uh, late-term, preterm loss, late-term miscarriage, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I know even with early miscarriages, it's hard, right, to get pregnant again and and feel as though it's going to work out. And so I usually... Um, would look to those people and think about their children. Um, And they were always my sort of hope, my beacon of hope. And so I guess if Lucas could be anybody's beacon of hope, I, I would love that, you know, it's, it is possible and it will happen. And some of us just have a really shitty, shitty journey to get there. Um, But it makes it so worth it in the end. Just keep going. Yeah, exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Katerina, thank you again. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Have a wonderful night. You too. She stayed up late, you guys. She stayed up late <laughs> on the East Coast. I always feel so bad for all my guests. I'm over here on the West Coast. It's nice and early. So, all right. Interested in hearing more miscarriage stories? We have over 30 more episodes on Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage it's also linked in the details below 
Stay connected. Find us on Instagram at managing.miscarriage, on Facebook at Miscarriage Nonprofit, and don't forget to download our free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating so more women can find us. Also, listen to exclusive episodes directly on the Patreon app.